Welcome to the Look It's Rock and Roll podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Julian Gill. Today I'm going to do a quick review of the new Def Leppard Early Years box set. Why? Well, I did write a book on Def Leppard, so I'm going to call dibs on most of the reviews about that band, simply because they were they were pretty much the first heavy metal band or hard rock band. Actually, back then they were heavy metal hard rock um, that I got into back, well, must have been a little bit before... 83 and then pyromania came out so you know i've been with them ever since my preferred era is pre-83 and this new box set is exactly up my alley so why don't we jump in this uh, new box set which uh showing on the screen here for those who are just listening came out on march the 20th and uh, you know what? I've been thrilled by the continuous assembly line of product that Def Leppard's been putting out. It's uh, been really exciting to see some of the stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of just, you know, bog standard reissues or, you know, this has 2019 remasters of On Through the Night and High and Dry in it. Um, but they're putting things out and that's what counts. So I'm glad they've obviously gotten over their hump with Universal and are willing to, you know, make an effort. And the quality of the product that they're putting out indicates that they're putting a lot of effort in to putting stuff out for the fans, like me, so thanks, guys, uh, to enjoy. So it's early years. It's the stuff that is a completely different era than everything that came after Hysteria. And even during Pyromania, there was a transition occurring to the band sound. So going back to the early years, you really get to appreciate the foundations on which the band were formed and how they progressed from those foundations and found a self-identity, a musical sound, and were never, ever, ever afraid to try something different, try something new. They weren't going to be pigeonholed into anything. They've done things their own way. Just go listen to X. Uh, you know, they're on Euphoria. Go listen to Slang. They're, they've never been afraid to try something new, something different, and that's the most important thing. Let's jump in. Let's talk about this box. So the package comes in a hard shell case. It's uh, about 9.5 inches square. Sorry, I don't do centimeters. Uh, about an inch thick. Just hold it up so you can see. I guess nice hype sticker on the front. Let's start with some of the some of the bad. My my first criticism on this is the size. And again, opinions vary, tastes vary, but this clashes with previous boxes that they've put out. Good example. Both of the uh, collector sets, CD box one and two, came in 5.5 inch square boxes with proper mini LP type sleeves in it. Um, it's a little awkward, this. It's, it's my OCD, perhaps, that makes me prefer it. But I would rather be able to line it up on a shelf next to the other two easily, especially when this isn't vinyl. But, you know, it doesn't matter. There's also a really annoying typo on the back that's going to probably bug me forever. But... I've built a house full of tipios, so I shouldn't be throwing any stones in that glass house. Um, and, and that's essentially just a physical criticism of it. It's not about the product itself. There's beautiful faux ringware on there. The picture 
I mean, look at that. That is Def Leppard, 1980, Hamer Guitars, Pete Willis, Steve Clark. God bless him. You know, great. I love the contrast of the colors on this. I mean, that just would be so perfect as an LP sleeve as well. For those of us who are Kiss fans who like some of the way they've done cover collages for some of their live albums. You know, not only Alive, obviously, but the Alive 4 Millennium show. Um, you know, great great colors. The hype sticker contrasts really nicely. Um, I mean, it almost sounds like a bloody cooking show. Sorry. So let's get to what really counts, and that's the stuff inside of here. Okay, inside the box. You get two bits. First of all, hardcover book. It's beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. I'm not going to show you much of this because I think you really need to buy the product to see it yourself. But it is chock full of well-written text. Nice little gatefold of the classic photo sessions. Great live stuff. Oh, God, Steve Clark with his perm. Um, you know, again, very interesting for people who are fans of the band. You know what? You get to uh, really enjoy how it's put together, a few collage pages, uh, a good blend of everything. So you get your collages, you get your text, you get quotes, you get, you know, the liner notes. Liner notes, little bit of a criticism on those. They're really small, hard to read. Some stuff I've not seen in here. Um, and I always love seeing the 1980 logo because uh, I actually own the original phonogram line art. Let's see if I can show you this which was is hand-drawn for that, which I got in an auction. Even came with all the original uh, phonogram work orders for it. So that's just a cool thing to have. Also have the other line art board. There it goes into focus, which uh, was done at the same time. So I'm obviously into that era of the band owning that sort of stuff so nice to have those in my collection so i always get a kick out of seeing the stuff that i actually kind of have a connection with by having that that stuff in my collection so let's move on because this isn't about me and my collection the book okay i said it's beautiful it's hardcover it's got great collage great layouts nicely done not overdone um i think i would have loved the tour dates to have been in there from, you know, the On Through the Night tour, the dates they did in the UK before going to the US, and then obviously the, the touring is really interesting. But you know what? Maybe that's where my book fills the gap, and that's what Leopard Tracks is all about. It is strictly the touring history of the band with reviews from them at, you know, from local papers. So a contemporary view of how they were perceived by primarily the American press, but I think I have a few others uh, from elsewhere. But you know, overall, um, you know, it's very well done. I take issue with a couple of things because, of course, I'm arrogant to think I know more than the band knows, but unlikely. Let me be delusional. All right, so the uh, CDs themselves are housed in a nice trifold folder again with nice pictures and see if I can move around and actually so they just slide in and out they're in little like these are CD style sleeves not mini LP sleeves I'm 
Not a fan of it again, but you know what? I'm really picking. So, there we go. I'm not going to talk about the albums themselves, you know, On Through the Night and High and Dry. Are fantastic albums I said you know at the top of this um, they're timeless for me uh, they're albums I never get bored of if I listen to high and dry the guitar comes out I play along nothing I like better than playing that album and playing along to it it is just one of those jam albums one of the very very best albums in rock in my opinion and you know there we go, 2019 remasters of them. So let's get rocked. This di this whole set is about this disc, again, for me. And that is the live in Oxford 1980 disc. It was recorded at the New Theatre on April the 26th, 1980, and that was the third from last date on the tour with Magnum. That was the second run of dates that they'd done in 1980. They did a January-February segment. Um, can't remember off the top of my head who they played. I think Tigers of Pang Tang were out with them on that, and Witchfind. Uh, and then on Magnum, uh, the tour in March-April, they had uh, local acts for a lot of the dates. And, you know, a lot of them I don't remember. But Magnum, obviously, most Brits will remember from the time. Um, if you go back to the music press, uh, the contemporary music press in Britain in 1980, I think it was Sounds, may have been NME or even Record Mirror, but there was a news blurb in one of those at the time that this show had been recorded and was going to be used for a proposed EP, which obviously never materialized. So I'm glad they kept the master tapes and had the whole damn show available because it's absolutely stunning. Um, by that point, they had introduced new material into the set. They had a full headlining set from that first, you know, headlining tour that they'd done in January. But now they were adding more material in, and that's where this show really benefits fans. Because um, a lot of the stuff on here, you know, from the first album and even earlier, was dropped soon after. They went out to the States in May... And they were in opening slots where they were only doing 40-minute sets or so. So a lot of stuff disappeared. Lady Strange stayed in there. And while there have been recordings from the tour that circulated for years, never been a soundboard, a full, properly mixed, um, gloriously sounding archive from the On Through the Night tour. Most importantly, you get, you know, the three particular songs on there. Medicine Man, When the Rain Falls, and Lady Strange. Lady Strange stays very close to what was later done on High and Dry. It was in the set in the U.S., you know, regularly performed. That's the one that really counts. Medicine Man, well, we'll talk about those in a second, but on this you also can't ignore Good Morning Freedom and Ride Into the Sun. You know, Ride Into the Sun, basically, from the first EP, important song in the band's catalog, something you're just not likely to hear these days. I don't know if they've actually pulled it out in any of their like residencies or anything, but yeah, there we go. All right, Medicine Man. You know, on on here on here and on all the live recordings throughout 1980 that it's appeared, it sounds like an unfinished work in progress. You know, it took them a couple years to knock it into shape, and you know what? Bingo Presto, Mutt Lang, it becomes rock rock till you drop. You know, there's no similarities with the White Stink song from around the same time of the same title. Eh, you know, it's okay. It's nothing spectacular. But again, it's an early band working, writing. Same with When the Rain Falls. That's an embryonic version of Let It Go. 
And, you know, it's vastly different again from what that song ultimately became in terms of arrangement, the riffs there. That glorious, beautiful riff. But like Medicine Man, it's got a long way to go before it becomes the song that we're more familiar with. The tempo, even in a live setting, feels a bit, a bit uh, slower and turgid, and the arrangement lacks bombast. But, you know, that's that's just because we have a fully different version that's so ingrained in the mind that it, it's hard to go back and, you know, even with listening to this sort of stuff for decades to really uh, ever replace the version that was released. Lady Strange, that's far advanced by this time. You know, the most developed of the three and the most familiar sounding. Um, I guess you should also note that uh, Me and My Wine and Long Way From Home were also performed throughout 1980, but I guess I'll talk about them a little bit later. Uh, let's move on to the raw disc. And... I love that cover. I think that's that's nicely done. This disc comprises material primarily broadcast on the radio. Um, starts off with the four songs from the Andy Peebles BBC, or was it BBC? Whatever. Um, show on June the 7th, 1979. And all four songs. Three of them have circulated for collectors for decades, but one was missing. And... Um, Again, I think it's not really detailed in the liner notes unless I wasn't wearing my glasses when I read them because these were not all broadcast on the date uh, specified here, which is June the 18th, 1979. According to sounds and contemporary news items, again, there was one song broadcast each night during Andy's show. So Wasted was the first on June the 18th. Answer to the Master the following night, Sorrow's a Woman on June the 20th, and Glad I'm Alive was the last one on June the 21st. And uh, again, that last one was the the song that people were looking for. Or, I don't know if it did ever circulate out in collectors, you know, circles unofficially, but it certainly wasn't on any of the uh, various CDs and collections that I've, number one, put together or had over the years. And I'm never not impressed by the sound of this young band. I mean, these guys were freaking teenagers, except for Joe. Um, very young. And just very powerful. I mean, it's not one of the things you expect out of a band to be that strong that early on. And the writing that they were doing. And Steve and Pete separating the guitar work that they were putting into each song. And I know Joe sometimes criticizes his singing, you know, saying that it took him a few albums to learn how to sing. But even as a bit of a screamer, you know, he was very good. Again, it's a different band. It's a different sound. So the next four songs are from Made of Vale. Uh, October the 3rd, 1979. They were recorded for the Friday Rock Show. And apparently they were first broadcast on October the 26th. And that's notable for being, I believe, the first session that was recorded by a band specifically for that broadcast. Um, before then, they would just use various things to uh, put on the show. And, you know, Def Leppard goes in and just knocks in a, in a four-song set. And uh, out, out it goes. You get Satellite, Rock Brigade, Wasted... And Good Morning Freedom. I mean, B-side. Again, you get it on the live album. Here you get a radio live. So, very cool to get that sort of material 
being released and also, you know, compiled on one collection. The, yeah, they've all been around for years. Um, but again, it, it, it doesn't matter. The disc concludes with six songs broadcast from the uh, 1980 Reading Festival. So Thameside Arena or whatever it was called in, in Reading. And uh, again, those have been around for years. You get the satellite with uh, When the Walls Come Tumbling Down and then the satellite reprise. Medicine Man, Overture, Lady Strange, and Get Your Rocks Off. And they sound great. I just wish that whole show existed as a board because uh, again they did me and my wine there a long way from home which uh, again any of the times that they performed songs that became something else later or were recorded later it's just really you know nice so i'm not moaning i'm just optimistic and hopeful and excited and thrilled about this package so you know again most of this disc has been out there for collectors for years but it's nice to compile it as an official product and you know what you actually get to pay for it and the money goes where it all instead of you know buying bootlegs which the band don't see anything from so you know I feel a little bit less guilty now having collected all that stuff for years and uh, again diehards are gonna appreciate three tracks specifically from that single disc all right moving on to the final CD that I'm gonna talk about too many jitterbugs. Ha, ha, ha. All right. Too many teardrops, indeed. This is a bits and pieces disc. The EP, the two Tauber single tracks, plus Good Morning Freedom were, you know, all on collection one. Though for people who bought the vinyl, obviously the EP was a mini EP reproduction, as was the CD. And I think it was a three inch CD. So you finally get it on a standard CD. Woo. Um, the details on the Tauber stuff, we knew four songs had been recorded at that session. I always thought it was Olympic Studios in September following the dates opening for Sammy Hagar. They say it's Morgan Studios. Okay, well, that probably only interests me. So thanks for the notes, guys. Obviously, Waste and Hello America were released as the band's second single, or the first. Second, if you count the third pressing of the EP, Phonogram release. So technically, first phonogram. Uh, new material release. So that's an important part of the catalog. You can understand it. It was, you know, showing up in multiple places. If they ever do a full bloody box set, it'll probably be on there again, or it ought to. Rock Brigade surfaced a few years ago in the 1979 video version that finally came out. So the first thing I did when that happened was I ripped the audio off that to do a compare and nice to get a full digital again of that song. It's a just cool little contrast and stuff to the, the later version recorded with, uh, it was a Tom Allen in, uh, November, December of 79 for the album. Uh, Glad I'm Alive is the gem on here. That song did not circulate for collectors. I grin like a Cheshire cat when listening to this one. You know, so many interesting nuances on the recording from that very, very awkward guitar bit, the little refrainy thing that becomes very tedious very quickly. There's a nice echo on, on Joe's vocal. Uh, ripping for a solo. Love to know, you know, who that was performed by. To be certain um the second one is a little bit like jarring banjo-y with a unpleasing resonance for my ears I find the drums a bit flat so 
it makes it very clear why that recording wasn't used because it's changing the character of the song from the earlier demos that most people will have heard. Um, it's it's lost its biting grit as a song in this version, which is a shame because I thought Tauber did a pretty good job on the other songs, particularly Wasted and Rock Brigade. So there you go. Yeah, for me, it's not a good version, but I'm glad I've heard it now. All right, B-sides and those 1984 remixes are thrown in for good measure. The short version of Let It Go is simply something of a minor edit of the track. Um, it only reduces the song by about 10 seconds, so it's mostly pointless. I wasn't aware that Switch wasn't edited on the single, since it's the same as the album version. I did an AB, didn't notice anything different. Again, might be my ears, but same length, nothing added or nothing apparently added, and certainly nothing deleted. The edit of Bring On The Heartbreak uh, shortens the song by 30 seconds. The no number of chorus refrains is reduced. Instead of uh, four Bring On The Heartbreaks, you only get three. And then the outro fades earlier than on the album version. So we'll call this the 75% heartbroken edit. Uh, getting the original version of Me And My Wine from that single is nice. Um, complaint. Those high and dry remixes from 1984 should not be on this package. This is the early years. This is that. Those are a different era. Those were a different purpose. And no offense, Phil. All right. So my questions on the early years box: Where the hell is Paris Theater from August 22nd, 1979? Sure, it's been out for you know decades. Every everyone who's a, like a diehard fan or even a semi-serious fan who's ever bought a bootleg probably has a copy of it. I've owned reels that I've done transfers of that of. Um, there's multiple versions of it. Uh, it would have been nice to have the full complete one in the original sequence as performed at the theater. Um, you know, if they still exist, it would have been nice to also have some of the other radio sessions from 1979. April the 10th, Radio Leads, you know, that one had Misty Dreamer performed, apparently. May the 10th, Radio Hallam. That would have included Beyond the Temple. June the 13th, Radio Piccadilly. Purportedly recorded without Pete Willis. You know, so as a four-piece. I'd love to know if the band has those. And if so, why they weren't used. Completely on here. You know, $60 product would have been, you know, maybe a good opportunity. Then again, if they're doing a full box later on and they don't want to have... 10 copies of, you know, Glad I'm Alive on a set, you know, that's fair enough. But I'd still love to know whether they have those from those radio sessions. Also, you know, where are the Fairview studio sessions, the second ones? You know, Heat Street, See the Lights. Are there still issues with MSB? You know, what's the story behind those not being included at all? Those are great demos. Obviously, those have been out since 1984 as well with First Strike, but I would love to hear the bed versions, not the adjusted ones that came out on First Strike. So do they not have those masters? Are they not allowed to use them? What's the story? Couldn't they work a deal and let, you know, the successors or whoever has the rights to MSB stuff put out First Strike as standalone product and they put out the untouched versions, you know, quid pro quo. That's your popular phrase of the era. So you know, whatever. What's the story? 
is what I'm interested in. Uh, the War Child demos. Again, those have been out for years. Yeah, they're not the greatest quality. And maybe they don't want to mix kind of boombox recording quality with pure studio, very nicely done material. So I can understand that. But what is the story again on those? Do they have, you know, the lowest generation copies of that? Um, again, this is a, about excitement, not criticism as such. Um, questions of why something is there and something is not, not being a miserable git and not being appreciative of what they have released. Um, you know, again, anything the band releases, I still have a desire for more. And that's where my excitement comes from. I'm fascinated by that side of the recording industry. I'm fascinated by that side of a band's history. All right, let's wrap it up. The box is, it's far from inclusive, but it's really, really good for people who are not diehards, who are maybe building up their collections, have bought the Hysteria box set, the singles box, the two boxes of album collections. But diehards are essentially going to be spending $60 for one live show, a handful of tracks, and a pretty book. Okay, a really pretty book. Uh, but you know, just because we're bootleg buying wankers, you know, that's not the fault of the band or Universal or anyone. Um, lovely package, but the text, again, as I said, on the credits is way too small. Um, some people actually read that shit. Really, some people read that shit. And, uh, you know, that said, for Def Leppard, you keep making them, you keep putting them out, I'll keep buying them. I look forward to what you may be planning for Hysteria. We're still waiting for demos from Hysteria, you know, that Hysteria album CD where they're twiddling the knobs on some material in the studio. Yes, some of that stuff would be really nice, though I don't know if you've got problems with mud as well. I mean, who knows? Bands have problems. So thank you very much for releasing this. Thank you for watching this review. Look out for our next episode, which will be a full album discussion with the rest of the guys. And uh, I hope you'll join us then. So thanks for listening. Bye for now. Thank you for watching or listening to this episode. Be sure to subscribe to us, like us, or even leave us a review. You can find us and join the conversation on Facebook. <laughs>